1: Well, welcome to 2020. How are you, everybody? My name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you joining us here on The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. I'm normally joined by Ian Simpkins, but Ian is still with family, enjoying the holidays. So I'm going to fly solo today and uh, possibly tomorrow as well until Ian comes back. And then on Monday, we are back with it. And uh, we are glad to finally get past the holidays, although I missed the holidays already. I already missed the holidays, but uh, already get back into some normalcy. And uh, thanks for working with us with some best of shows over the last couple of weeks. And uh, as if it's not enough to go solo today, uh, I am fighting a little bit of a cold. So I told uh, I told PJ, our producer, uh, if I need you to talk, get ready to talk, because this show could just be me coughing. That could be it today, man. Yeah.
0: You sound okay. Thank you. Just, I think the compre- the AM radio compressor takes care of most of
1: that. That's like right there. My wife was like, "You look fine. You, it's, it, you're tolerable. It's, it's, it's just okay." <laughs> what did you do for New Year's yesterday? Anything? New Year's was
0: very relaxing. Uh, actually, I went to my friend Nick Majira's house. He's been on the show he has this beautiful kind of log house i wouldn't call it a cabin because it's, it's a log solid, house nice it's a house it's a very nice house they have a big beautiful stone fireplace that was uh he had cooked some meat and whatever over it and it was it was really nice the house smelled like meat <laughs> um they have uh what do they have they had a, a, a bernese mountain dog so i was I had to kiss something at midnight, so that was one of them. Nice, um,
1: yeah. Just with friends, it was wonderful. Wonderful for the first time ever, my uh, my kids made it to midnight, which means I had to make it to midnight. I had to go pick my daughter up at someone's house at twelve thirty. I don't oh. do those times, well. hence the cold. I'm I'm like, a, how come she didn't sleep over? What, what, oh, the party ended at twelve thirty. That's the way it went. So, man. but it's twenty twenty, which is uh, the year of Barbara Walters, right there. Uh, welcome to twenty twenty. So. <laughs> Is it an Ian joke? No, I think he, it probably is. <laughs> so we're glad to have you join us. You can find us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show. That's the Common Good Radio Show. Find us online at 1160hope.com. Twitter at Common Good Talk. Uh, as always, you can find our podcast wherever it is. Yeah, you podcast. Go ahead, subscribe, rate, review. Uh, I, again, had somebody over the holidays tell me how much they like our podcast, and I explained to them we're on the radio, and they were actually surprised by it. Which I uh, was like, okay, cool. You like you listen to the podcast? That's awesome. We're right
0: about <laughs> even with listenership on either.
1: Is that right? So you could say
0: podcast like yeah, legitimately as a podcast because it's about the same as listening on the radio.
1: That's really funny. So we're glad to have you join us. Go ahead, subscribe, rate, review, and uh, we do appreciate that. I wanted to start today uh, as uh, as a new year by by reading two passages of scripture. Uh, that just kind of kick us into the new year. You know, you get to a new year and there's really nothing new about it. You, December 31st to January 1st is really just a turning of the calendar day. Uh, but there is something that feels new about going from one year to the next that, that makes all of us kind of hope, uh, maybe there's going to be something new about this year. I'm going to, I'm going to lose some weight and finally get in shape or I'm going to get a new job or I'm going to, uh, Knock this off my bucket list, whatever it might be. In the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about New Year's resolutions, but, um, but, but a lot of us we we start reading the Bible again on uh, January first for the first time. We get into the u version app and we 're like i 'm going to do this plan through the year and about early uh, mid February you get to Leviticus and you kind of tap out and uh, we kind of all do this and so there is something uh, that that 's good about going from one year to the next that allows us to say. Uh maybe maybe something's going to be different. But in reality, as as Christ followers, what actually brings that difference in our lives uh is is just our faith in Jesus and what that affords us. So with that in mind, listen to what Paul writes in Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen. This is Second Corinthians chapter five verse seventeen. Paul writes, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, so therefore, if you're a Christ follower, if anyone's in Christ, oftentimes in scripture, it talks about this concept of being in Christ. He says, if anyone is in Christ, uh, this is the old, this is the NIV. They say the new creation has come uh, or that person is a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. And for me, uh, that's a lot of what New Year's uh, is about is this concept of uh, the old being gone, the new being here. And what I want to encourage us is that as Christ followers, uh, we have this opportunity when New Year's comes to be reminded of the fact that, no, what, what takes away the stain of the old, what, what takes away uh, the, the guilt and the shame of our past uh, is not going from 2019 to 2020, but, but it's being in Christ, And that being in Christ, being a Christ follower, being a Jesus person, uh, putting our hope into uh, the redeeming work of Jesus when he came and he lived and he died and he rose again, uh, that that is what wipes us like clean. That's what gives us that new beginning. That's what uh, brings us, uh, as 1 John 1, 9 tells us, that uh, when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us. For many of us, uh, New Year's brings with it the hope of cleansing, a new start, a new beginning. And so 2 Corinthians 5.17 says anyone who's in Christ, that new creation has come. The old is gone. That old is gone, and the new is here. How many of you out there need to hear that good news this morning that or this afternoon that the old is gone i 'm like a pastor there man I, I had to say this morning that 's what we do right <laughs> that, that the old is gone, and the new is here hopefully that 's good news for you and then so how, how how do we, as we start looking towards resolutions as we start looking towards uh what what's going to be different this year? let me remind us of uh what Jesus says in John chapter fifteen verse four uh, Jesus says, <clears throat> "Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself; it must remain in the vine." Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. There's this whole concept of Jesus being the vine and we being the branches. And so what becomes, uh, we we often say, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. When really the call for us here in the new year is to remain. It is to be as branches connected to the vine. And so I would just start this show by asking you that. Uh, How's 2020 going to be any different for you in this manner? How's 2020 going to be any different for you in this concept of remaining in the vine? He is the vine. We are the branches. So often we're like, yeah, I got to bear fruit. I got to bear fruit. Well, you don't bear fruit by trying harder. Uh, You bear fruit by remaining in the vine. You bear fruit by uh, doing your job as a branch, and that is to be connected to the vine. So allow 2020 uh, to be a year in which you say, you know what, I'm going to uh, prioritize uh, being connected to Jesus. So the old is gone, the new has come. Uh, that's the good news of being in Christ. And then how do we accomplish stuff for Jesus? How do we bear fruit? We remain in him. Uh, he is the vine, we are the branches. And so John 15, 4, uh, if you're looking for a life verse for the 2020, let that be one. Also Ephesians three twenty. I believe, uh, that we believe that nothing is impossible, that he can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. So Happy New Year 2020 is upon us. Uh, Ian Simpkins, he is out today. My name is Brian Fromm. Again, you can find us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show or on Twitter at Common Good Talk. Coming up next, we're going to keep this New Year's theme going. We're going to talk about New Year's resolutions and specifically uh, an article written out of the Gospel Coalition that gets at it. That's coming up next year on the Common Good AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm. Happy New Year. Glad to have you joining us here today. Kind of the first day back of 2020, that first day back where a lot of us are at work, uh, kind of back into our normal routine. So, we hope they had a great holiday season, including your New Year's yesterday. Uh, I know that we did. It's a great time to kind of hang out with family and uh, connect with family and have some downtime. But I know... While kids are still off of school, I know they'll be going back on Monday, and uh, life gets back to normal. A lot of you probably got up for the first time in a little while today, uh, getting back to work, and uh, hopefully you're you're a person who enjoys that routine. I'm normally joined by Ian Simpkins, my my co-host, but he is not here for the next two days. He's still enjoying his holiday season, uh, I believe out of town with some family, but he will be back with us on Monday. Uh, And then next week, Johnny, ready for this? Next week... Uh, I would forget exactly which day, but the common good will turn one year old. Woohoo! I didn't think we'd make it a week or a month. <laughs> That's, that, that really <laughs> distills confidence. <in> the, the, <laughs> I remember you and I talking in that first month like, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I mean, think this it, is going to keep going. It's
0: always that learning curve, but if, as long as you just keep talking and you're not just talking out of your butt, uh, you're doing fine. <laughs>
1: I don't know that you're allowed to say that on AM 1160. But? Yeah. uh, You just did it again.
0: I'll apologize apologize later. Okay.
1: All right. New Year's resolutions. That's what comes at 2020. Uh, For a lot of us, uh, very legitimately, some of our New Year's resolutions becomes, I want to lose some weight, right? I want to read the Bible every day. I want to read through the Bible. I want to... Take this trip, I want to do something and uh and new year's resolutions become about what I want to do it 's usually about adding stuff, and so Uh, People say they're going to go back to church, and so churches become busier in January. If you've ever tried to work out in the first week or two in January at like the YMCA or something, you know, oh, it's a lot more crowded here than the the people at the Y or or wherever the health club always tell you. Uh, Just wait till the first week in February. All these people will be gone. And so, uh, New Year's resolutions become a thing. And with that in mind, I I wanted to highlight two interesting articles, one of them at Christianity Today, written by Jarvis Williams. And we're not going to read that one, but it says, the most life-changing New Year's resolution won't come easy. And basically, I would encourage you to go and read it. But basically, he says this in 2020 and in all years to come, the resolve of every Christian should be to follow Jesus on the narrow and difficult path of discipleship. However, Jesus's words in scripture and church history tell us the price of discipleship will be costly. And the and the point of this article is if we're going to follow Jesus, you need to count the cost and be reminded that it is not uh, an easy uh, thing to do. So he says, he ends his article by saying, all of us should ask ourselves the following questions in the new year. Have we counted the cost of faithfulness to Jesus? If so, are we willing to pay it? Only time will tell in the new year and the years to come whether our answer is yes. And that I found that very um, convicting. Uh, is one of my new year's resolutions to follow Jesus, uh, to get back on that pathway of discipleship? How am I going to do that? What are the structures in my life? And uh, more so have I counted that cost, have I counted the cost of discipleship? But then over at the Gospel Coalition, Kevin DeYoung wrote this. And I actually want to read this article. It's short, but I found it very interesting. It's called A New Year's Resolution. Don't try to be with it. (coughs) He says, the headline of my Twitter feed was from CNN and linked to an article entitled The Cultural Moments That Define 2019. The tweet rang out with this incredible announcement, from Jennifer Lopez storming Milan Fashion Week in an updated version of her iconic Versace dress, uh, to the sale of a $120,000 banana, the year was full of unforgettable moments. Where to begin, he says. One could point to the verbal downgrade of the word iconic, now nothing more than a synonym for pop culture famous. One could also mention the absurdity of modern art, whereby a piece of ordinary fruit is sold for a handsome annual salary. But he says, I'd like to focus on the last two words, unforgettable moments. With the exception of the Notre Dame fire, everything in the article, he writes, is utterly and entirely forgettable. Virtually no one will care about Jane Fonda's red coat years from now or months from now, just like the Instagram post uh, from Phoebe Waller-Bridge will not be etched in our collective memory. The pop culture style moments detailed by CNN mattered almost nil to almost everyone, and their long-term cultural import import will likely be less than that. What we have here is pretty much the textbook definition of what will not be remembered, he says. He says, I'm not a technophobe. I have a blog, a Facebook page, a Twitter account, and enough teenagers in the house to keep me conversant with my fair share of pop culture. I'm not quitting social media, neither do I think it's all a waste of time. But honestly, he says, most of it is. Of course, there are common grace gifts to enjoy in the latest viral videos, memes, and gifts. And yet there are more gifts of common grace and special grace to be enjoyed in an excellent book, a thoughtful conversation, a long walk, time in silence, time in prayer, and time in the word. If I'm going to suffer, I want it to be for the fear. If I'm going to suffer the fear of missing out, I want it to be the fear of missing out on all the things I could be learning, all the ways I could be growing, or all the ways I could be a bigger blessing to my family see john somerville he writes noted two decades ago that news makes us dumb he's more right with every passing year here's what i said several years ago he said uh somerville's main point is not that news is dumb it's that we are dumb for paying so much attention to it we've become conditioned to think that the real important stuff of life comes to us in a neat 24-hour news cycle Worse than that, in our mobile digital age, most of us assume that news is happening every second of every minute of every hour of every day. And if we tune out or turn off our phones for more than a few minutes, we'll be rendered out of touch and uninformed. He says, that's dumb. The solution is not better news, but less of it. The problem is with the nature of news itself. The news is all about information. It's all about what's trending now. It rarely concerns itself with the big questions of life. It focuses relentlessly on change. In terms of pop culture consumption, he says, I'm more attuned to some areas than others. I went to a movie theater, he says, zero times, but I pay attention to sports. He says, I need a digital detox, just like most of you. If I'm to get more of the deep stuff, I need to be weaned from most of the trivial stuff. If you're in the business of making New Year's resolutions, he writes, why not attempt one that saves time instead of depletes it? Give up trying to keep up. Let the pop culture whirlwind pass you by. Be wonderfully ignorant of the world of what's happening now. Don't worry. The important news will still get to you, but hopefully most of the other quote news won't. It could be scary to death, even a little bit, from the screams of social. It could be scary to detach, even a little bit, from the screams of social media and cable news. But let's not mistake knowledge for wisdom or a multimedia platform for kingdom usefulness. There is no way to possibly stay with it, so why bother? Look out the window, put down the phone, lose touch with pop culture, and reconnect with God. If you get to the end of 2020 and can't recall any of the big style stories from CNN, don't ref- don't fret. In a few minutes, no one else will either. I found that article really powerful. That's why I wanted to read the whole thing. Because I know in my own life, how often during the day do I check Twitter to see what news is out there? Uh, How often am I just kind of surfing around on the internet or whatever else on Facebook? And he says, what if we made a resolution to detach from some of these trivial things, to attach what we talked about last segment, to those things which are more important. So I'm curious what you think about that. Go ahead to our Facebook page and check out this article from the Gospel Coalition and Kevin DeYoung. What if we made a a resolution in 2020 to say, I'm going to uh, detach, not from all of social media, not from all of the news. I'm not going to go live out in a cabin in the woods, although that sounds good sometimes. But what if I was going to detach for the sake of attaching to the things that are not trivial, to those that are deeper, to those things that are most important, to a long walk, to a good friendship, to spending uh, committed time in the word and in prayer, uh, getting some of those other filler things out of our lives. We'd love to know what you think. Go to our Facebook page, The Common Good Radio Show. That's The Common Good Radio show. Well, coming up next, I want to talk about a story uh, that came out over the last week or so about a pastor in China uh, and what he's going through. That's coming up next year on the Common Good AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to the Common Good AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you joining us on this first uh, live show of 2020. Glad to be here. Usually joined by Ian Simpkins, but Ian is not with us today. Ian is still enjoying his holiday season with family. And uh, we'll be joining us again on Monday. I am flying solo today. And, uh, of course, on the day you got to talk double the amount. My voice is struggling a little bit from a cold. We are just going to power through, man. John, we are just going to power through. And I'm doing everything uh, I can to support you. When I can't talk anymore, I'm just going to point to you and go, go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Alphabet, uh, Internet.
1: Let me ask you this. Do you have a bucket list item for 2020? Is there one thing? As something you want to go to, a place you want to go to, something you want to accomplish or do—is there one thing in 2020 that our producer wants to do?
0: Well, I'll tell you. A couple years ago, I got—I had the opportunity to do that, but it was kind of on a whim. I got the opportunity to fly a plane, like in a plane or fly, fly the plane. Fly the plane. Wow! It was, it was a Cessna, tiny little glorified wagon, but like it, it, <laughs> it was. Something I didn't expect because my friend reached out to me after I went to an air show and was like, hey, you know, I he's the flight instructor, so okay. he does it all the time. I'm like, oh, sweet. We're just going to go up in a plane. And we get there, and I'm doing all the pre-flight checks. I'm checking the fuel, checking the props and the, and the, and the, the rudders and everything. And he puts me in the pilot seat and I said, okay, let's go. Nah. like, what? He's like, you're flying this you're
1: whole You're flying. Thing. Here
0: we the go. The whole time. I took off, flew, landed. I was in control of the airspace, everything. And I want to be able to... Officially log an hour and like actually start the recreational flying. Course. Awesome! I think that'd be
1: fun. Well, uh, good luck with that, and I will not be getting in that plan <laughs> <laughs> for,
0: for a period of time, or just whenever. A long period
1: here. of time. Oh, that's really fun. I know yeah. we've got some stuff planned in the summertime with our kids to go, and I'm just looking forward. But I do have to tell you, two weeks, two yeah. weeks, two and a half weeks, my wife and I, we will be in Mexico. Wow. Celebrating our twentieth twentieth wedding anniversary, and uh, I've been looking at pictures on Facebook of this resort we're staying at. This is I, I jokingly told people. Uh, this is the first time we've done a trip like this since our honeymoon, so 20 uh-huh. years. And I'm like, it's a trip we, can't, we desperately need but can't afford, but we're doing it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> just, just assess it later
0: on. Exactly. Live we'll, in the moment. That's we'll, not a great New Year's resolution. We'll, live in the moment and then just pay for we'll it later suffer on. suffer
1: the pain later, but it's going to be <laughs> awesome. So, wow, congrats, uh, man. Yeah, so welcome to 2020, and uh, hopefully... Uh, you've got some stuff lined up for this new year, things that when you look back a year from now, you'll be able to go, man, I really got to accomplish some stuff, some stuff I always dreamed of doing. Uh, but I, it is also a time uh, to be reminded of what's going on in the global church. And we as Christ followers, uh, sometimes we can just become very uh, Uh, America-centric, which is fine. This is our home. This is where we live. But we can become very centered not only just on our own local churches, but then on the religious landscape, the church landscape of America. And that can become uh, everything that we just kind of focus on. And uh sometimes I know for me, maybe you don't feel this way, but but what I feel is that often it is good for me to step back and to be reminded again that the world is bigger than just where I live, that the church uh is is vibrant and and worshiping across the globe uh, and that that these are brothers and sisters in Christ that we're going to worship with for all of eternity. Right. Revelation uh, tells us that we will be. Uh, with every tribe, tongue, and nation, and, and that—that's a glorious picture, and so that's why it's often good to travel outside of of, of the United States to be reminded. I, well, our church has a partnership with some organization in Rwanda, and I've had the chance to go and and to worship in the Rwandan church alongside Rwandan believers. It's like this; it, it deepens, it, it does something to your faith, and reminds you of. Uh, just the global nature of the church, but also the hugeness of God—that that that there is worship uh, worldwide going on, and uh, and and I want to remind you that <clears throat> while we think that sometimes we face uh, religious hardship and stuff, it's nothing like what is going on around the world. With that in mind, out of the Gospel Coalition, China sentences Pastor Wang Yi to nine years in prison. Let me read the article. A secretive Chinese court sentenced one of the country's best known Christian voices and founder of one of its largest underground churches to nine years in prison for subversion of state power and illegal business operations, according to a government statement released on Monday. Wang Yi, the pastor who founded Early Rain Covenant Church, was detained last December with more than 100 members of his congregation as part of a crackdown on churches, mosques, and temples not registered with the state. Uh, The author says... This re- re- revolting development is a symbolic is symbolic of a much larger wave of persecution against religions, not just Christianity, that are deemed threats to state power in Northwest China. Authorities have detained around a million uh, Uyghur Muslims in re- reeducation camps. Most persecuted Christians around the globe will never be known by West- to Western Christians, but Pastor Wang Yi happens to be an unusually prominent unregistered church leader whose work garnered a visit to the Bush White House in two thousand and six. Perhaps most importantly, Wang Yi and the early reign covenant church was featured in Ian Johnson's brilliant, the souls of China, arguably the most important book written on the modern growth of religion uh, in China. What Yang, what did Yang Yi do to attract the attention of Christian of Chinese authorities? Simply being the leader of an unregistered house church is likely not enough to land someone in jail, but Wang Yi and his church allegedly distributed publications and DVDs without government approval. And ran an unapproved school and seminary through the church Moreover, uh, Wang had become known for taking high-profile positions on politically sensitive issues Including forced abortions and the massacre that crushed the Tiananmen Square democracy movement in 1989 He also publicly criticized uh, China's increasingly authoritarian ruler And so, what are we to do? The article ends this way our churches will not know the name of every persecuted pastor in China, but we certainly should pray for Wang Yi, his church, and all those like him who are suffering today in China, the Middle East, Sub-Saharan Africa, and elsewhere. In doing so, we obey the command of Hebrews thirteen three. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you are also in the body. So by praying for Wang Yi, we also take a small step toward broadening our too narrow American vision by remembering our beloved brothers and sisters In the global church, that article was written by Thomas Kidd. And I wanted to bring that to our attention because it always blows my mind that uh, that in 2020 uh, there are still uh, and, you know, forgive me for being naive, but that there are still uh, brothers and sisters in Christ around the globe who are being persecuted, who are being arrested. This is nine years uh, that he is going to go to prison for. Uh, and so it, it is a reminder to me that there is uh, just some painful stuff going on around the globe and that we as American Christians who do not face this, I get it. We, we, we might have some things taken away from us, our ability, uh, whatever. We, we might have to bake a cake for somebody, might have to do something else. And, and those can be big deals in people's lives here. But but the religious persecution being faced in places like China and in other places in the Middle East is uh, <laughs> it, it is so far outweighs what we go through here. So what do we do with relative freedom of religion and and peace? What do we do with that? We don't take it for granted. Instead, it drives us. Uh, to prayer, It drives us to pray for the persecuted church, to remember the persecuted church. And I am uh, so pointing the finger at myself here, because I don't think about the global church very often. I don't bring it up in our church. Uh, but articles like this remind us that there is a bigger church out there. There's a global church. These are our brothers. This is our brother in Christ who has been imprisoned. And, uh, his congregation is being imprisoned, people from his congregation, uh, and we need to stand up alongside them. So a reminder to pray, a reminder to uh, lift them up, and a reminder to take advantage of our own religious freedom on their behalf, but also to never uh, take it for granted. Coming up next, I want to circle back to Christmas uh, and, and uh, read to you a bit of a Um, a heartbreaking story, and uh, because I think it opens the door to a bigger conversation of something that is increasingly a cultural epidemic. That's coming up next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope For Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope For Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm. Thanks for joining us today. Ian Simpkins normally joins us each and every day, but Ian is still enjoying his holiday. Uh, I think seeing family out in Detroit, maybe. And uh, Ian will be back with us on Monday. Uh, For today, I'm flying solo and uh, with a little bit of the help from our producer PJ over there and just chiming in when I need a break so thanks for doing so you got it. I do what I can you guys uh, I wish we had, had the microphones on uh, during our break because we have riveting discussions about sleep patterns and I told I think I, I, I went with the ultimate boomer moment and said oh you'll be 40 one day <laughs> <laughs> just you
0: wait Johnny
1: it was when I said that I was like if I would be 25- the oldest thing you've said on this show just like just you wait if I could go back to 25 you're 25 right yeah when i was 25 if someone said oh you'll be 41 day i'd be like all right i'm done with that guy <laughs> that's not a real year yeah. and so i think i was like oh i was i get up every day before seven without, I, you're like without an alarm i'm like yep and you're like i can't do that you'll be 41 <laughs> day, sonny <laughs> i always appreciate your perspective Brian, the old person perspective <laughs> i look to you for guidance. oh i appreciate that well you can find us on facebook at the common good radio show Twitter at common good talk online at eleven sixty hopecom find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast go ahead subscribe rate review well we 're coming out of the Christmas holiday and, uh, and and for many of us, myself included, one of the best things about Christmas is reconnecting or connecting uh, over for for extended amounts of time with family, whether it be out of town or in town. Uh, just time with your closest family, but then extended family gifts, dinner, you're doom you get kind of almost familyed out and friend out. Like you're you're constantly with people. But it really does, uh extrovert, introvert, uh hopefully you, you still get filled up uh by that time with those closest to you. But we are reminded in the holiday season that for those uh who are struggling uh many ways uh, Christmas and other holidays can accentuate the struggle. And so, uh, I know this was, uh, I was talking to my kids about this one day as we were driving through just our town, downtown um, Downers Grove, where I live. But also, we went down to the city for a night. Uh, my wife and I took our kids down for kind of a special time. And to be reminded, even over the holidays, and I, I know this is obvious, but to see people homeless over Christmas, you're like, oh. Okay, that that doesn't change at Christmas time, and uh, there's there was this story that ran in the New York Times that that uh, kind of highlighted uh, part of this struggle. It's entitled "This: <clears throat> A Lonely Plea." Anybody need a grandma for Christmas? It says this month. This was written on December nineteenth, so just before Christmas. It says this month on Craigslist tucked among ads for worn couches and dusty pianos was an odd and poignant offer from a woman in Tulsa. It read this. Anybody need a grandma for Christmas? I'll even bring food and gifts for the kids. I have nobody. And it really hurts. The response to the Oklahoma woman was swift and in some cases cruel with cynical comments that accused her of carrying out a hoax or called her a parasite, hoping to prey on a generous family. One person even told her to go kill herself. The woman quickly took down the post, but not before 21-year-old Carson Carlock took a screenshot of it after finding the ad while scouring Craigslist. He posted the screenshot on Facebook with the hashtag find grandma. Thousand, uh, naturally, thousands of people around the country shared it and offered to have her over for the holidays. I simply just want to help you find a family, Mr. Carlock wrote. Uh, You won't be alone this Christmas. The post became, though, and this is what I want to get at. Like, that post, uh, uh, it it accentuates, it reminds us of the loneliness that some people feel over the holidays. The article writes, This post became a painful reminder of the loneliness and social isolation acutely felt during the holidays, particularly among aging Americans who have no family or have become isolated from relatives. As baby boomers age, the public is more likely to find posts on social media like the one written by the Tulsa woman, said Blair Schaub, the chief executive of area wide aging agency in Oklahoma City. This month, volunteers for that organization delivered 600 stockings to nursing homes around the region for residents who typically do not get visitors at all around the holidays He says, it seems like the number of people who come to visit their families is decreasing, and the number of people who never had kids is increasing. At some point, the loneliness is coming at you like a train coming down the tracks. Uh, The department in New York, which explored the issue in a 2011 study, uh, talked about uh, elder abuse. Uh, the woman in Tulsa, who identified herself only as Carrie, said she had been fighting cancer and was estranged from her daughter, who refused to let her see her granddaughter. Uh, and and uh, when she checked the responses to her ad, she was horrified. She was crushed by some people, what they said. Uh, But then as people began to reach out uh, in the end, though, Carrie said she decided to spend Christmas with some of her friends. uh, But Mr. Carlock says he plans to go over to her house for dinner on Christmas. The two finally met face to face. So it ends up with a nice story. Uh, She said, I don't want anybody to feel the way I felt. Most of us just want the feeling of love and belonging. But listen to that line. Most of us just want the feeling of love. And belonging. Here's what I want us to wrestle with, friends, especially as Christ followers. Uh, Jesus came for the marginalized. Jesus came and loved those uh, who weren't loved by their culture. And so the question is, how are we as Christ followers, how are we as the church doing loving the marginalized? This is an increasing issue, it says here in this article, uh, with this aging elderly demographic. Uh, I know that. Uh, I was talking to somebody who works at a nursing home, and they were saying how um, the saddest thing is how often there are people in nursing homes who never get visitors for an entire year. Literally for an entire year, nobody comes and visits them. Is that an issue that the church should be stepping into? That that we, as the church, could be ones who say, you know what, we are going to go visit. We are going to go do. Ian shared a story before the holidays. Uh, About how he used to do that when he was in college He would just bring flowers and show up at a nursing home And I remember thinking to myself when he told that story Wow, I, I would never think of doing that None of us want people to feel left out and to feel marginalized We just don't have, we get so busy and we don't think about it What about the homeless people in your town Even in the suburbs, hanging out in the library or whatever else it might be Or just thinking to yourself, who is it that is lonely over the holidays? Who is it that is struggling? Who can I put an arm around? Who can I go show the love of Christ to? See, a lot of times it just requires us to look up and to say, you know what? I'm going to be somebody who who loves on other people and who just does this, who visits hospitals, who visits the nursing homes, who does these things. Uh, It takes time. uh, But what a heartbreaking man. When I read this, anybody need a grandma for Christmas, I'll even bring food and gifts for the kids. I have nobody and it really hurts. How many people out there in our sphere are saying, I have nobody and it really hurts. How many people out there like this woman are saying most of us just want the feeling of love and belonging, but but don't have the, the people around us to feel that. So none of us should be feel guilty if your Christmas was filled with family and friends and food and presents and just good stuff. But but we need to be reminded again that just because the new year is changing doesn't mean that there aren't now still lonely people, hurting people, marginalized people, homeless people, whatever else it might be. And as followers of the king, as followers of Jesus, the question becomes, what are, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to step in and just say, is there anything that we can do? So I wanted to throw that on your plate, because when I read that article, even though it was from before Christmas, I felt really uh, a conviction that said, "Ah, man, I can get lost in my own life our church can get lost in our own life but what can we do uh, to love on people well we hope you had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year we're now off and running in 2020 coming up next uh, I want to talk a little bit about that shooting that happened at that church in Texas over the weekend and some of their response that's coming up next here on the Common Good AM 1160 hope for your life
2: Hey everyone, Ian Simpkins here, and after we had this marriage conference with Thrivent and two other local churches, it kind of piqued my interest to learn more about this organization. We had such a good response with them at the conference, I was kind of interested in seeing what else they did, and so they actually provided me with this list of like 12 or 13 different topics that they offer free workshops for people that want to be wise with money and live generously, and the thing that was crazy is that each of these topics Were things that people in my church Were actually asking me Things that I didn't really know how to talk about. And so they offered numerous free workshops for the people in our church to help them be wise with money and to live generously. And let me tell you, it was this really beautiful sort of no strings attached kind of a, we want to help you do this better. And that was kind of the continuation of my relationship with Thrivent and being really grateful for the ways that they were coming alongside us and the local churches around us. And if you're interested at all in learning more, I cannot encourage you enough to head to Thrivent.com.
1: Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you joining us on this kind of what feels like the first workday of 2020. Glad that you're joining us. And uh, Ian is not with us. Ian is uh, finishing off some family time over the rest of the week. And uh, will be with us again uh, on Monday, which, as we said in the first hour, is uh, next week will be a year of The Common Good Show. So, uh, if you bet the under on that, you're gonna lose. <laughs> I did not bet against the show. I, I, I might have considered betting the under in the oh, early stages, but you know, but uh, it has been a really fun journey. I'm sure next week Ian and I will talk a little bit about. Uh, not just our hopes for the upcoming year of the show, but also just uh, how this has gone, this kind of process. Kind and, of like the uh, first hundred days situation. Yeah, because it was not anything either of us ever expected. It was nothing that either of us, we could tell the story, I'm not sure we've ever really told it, but neither of us searched this out. Ian and I never met each other until we started doing the radio. Like, we're not like old friends. It's You, all you very met way. on the, the previous carnation of we the show, did. right? We did, and then, wow. I mean, Ian and I... Before we started doing radio together, we probably spent five minutes together, ten minutes together, like it's, it's just like kind you've of known a weird each other story. a lifetime man it's man, a- man, and so it's all it's all really crazy it's been a crazy, crazy year. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about more about that next week, but uh, very thankful. I know Ian shot a video. Did you see that video he shot? Very touching. It made me feel very guilty yeah. that I didn't do anything like that. But, <laughs> uh, it's
0: like when you get a hand, <coughs> I get a handwritten letter from my dad every single year for Christmas, and he's got terrible handwriting, so you have to sit there and assess it. Yeah, but it's a, they're wonderful, tear jerking letters uh, every single nice. year, and I'm just like man. I don't do this nearly enough. <laughs> Seriously, I'm very bad at I'm very bad at giving physical gifts. Like I like spending the quality time. That is my gift to people. I'm very good at doing that. But writing letters, I hate writing in general because I have terrible handwriting, and it you know it takes time. I guess. But who like, writes letters
1: anymore? Right? No, and your I, hand. I,
0: I'm good. At, I, I like to think of myself as a good writer and, 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 and well thought out, but. The way he writes, and you know, he had to take time in his busy yeah. day
1: to write these. And you are oh, for everybody. And, and it's like, emotional oh, as a dad to write. That I'm sure that takes a lot of thought and a oh, lot yeah. of time. And so. he means it. So and we're it. we're glad that you are joining us today. And uh, again, Ian will be back next week, and we'll uh, we'll kind of be running on all cylinders then again. Uh, but for today, I am by myself. And uh, if you were following the news over this Christmas and. Uh, new year's time of year i know it could be easy to kind of miss things that are going on but there was a really sadly uh and tragically another church shooting in texas that took place on december 29th uh so just this past sunday a gunman killed two church members uh during communion uh at the west freeway church of christ uh in kind of the fort worth dallas area uh in uh uh, so let me give you some of the background It says the West Freeway Church of Christ A close knit congregation of about 280 people Didn't get to finish It's Sunday morning worship on December 29th And basically what happened is A guy walked in And uh, he had a uh, He had a fake I think a wig and a beard uh, And a big coat And they kind of were keeping an eye on him And during communion He stood up and pulled out a shotgun And what's really uh, fascinating, man, I don't know if you saw this, is that it was being live streamed. Uh, so this church was live live streaming their service and this gunman gets up uh, and he tragically killed two people. But, <clears throat> but this church had done what a lot of churches are doing now. Uh, and they had had hard discussions about a security team. Uh, they had video going like this security team at this church was pretty hardcore. Uh, and so once this guy started shooting, a guy, a deacon in the back, pulled out a, a, his gun and killed him with one shot from a distance. And uh, it was across the room, across the room, and really yeah. uh, saved a lot of people. And I got to be honest, like I don't know, I'd love to hear people's uh, reaction on the Facebook page because I've shared this before on the show. I'm not a gun guy. Uh, when I say that, I mean like literally, I've never shot a gun in my life. And so when people have brought up to me at our church Oh we should have somebody who's armed I'm always like absolutely not Like that's craziness And then they're like well there's people here who are carrying. You just don't know it I'm, like, oh, I'm glad not to know it <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, there are some people Who really want to have beefed up security And they're like you know uh, You gotta be prepared Which I get uh, But I'm usually the one who's like Let's just kind of tamp that down a little bit Let's bring that down And then you see something like this And you're like Ugh, I don't know. So, I, I'm one who says, I don't know the right answer. I don't know where you, uh, where, uh, you, where it's good prudence versus fear. I don't know. You can tell us what you think. I know a lot of you have a lot of opinions on this at the Common Good Radio Show. But uh, in the end, uh, a lot of people uh, were saved. But tragically, two uh, lives were lost, plus the gunman. <clears throat> and so, Monday night, roughly 30 hours after a gunman killed the two of them, uh, the suburban Fort Worth church came together again I want you to to picture this uh, You've just had this tragedy on Sunday uh, And then you gather together again on Monday It says a standing room only crowd Squeezed into the church fellowship hall, hall Next door to the closed auditorium Obviously they can't use the auditorium It's a crime scene uh, To grieve, pray, and sing amazing grace Precious memories And it is well with my soul We have some audio of them singing Listen to this And so the pastor, Britt Farmer, who uh, was best friends with one of the guys who was killed, he said, What happened yesterday is not something that we will ever be able to explain. He said, There is evil in this world, and the evil took two of my dear friends. Uh, yesterday, and then the preacher, occasionally overcome with emotion that made it difficult for him to speak, declared that he would not let evil win. He said, "The battle belongs to the wo- to the Lord." He said, "To amens and applause." Farmer praised his family. All four of his adult children traveled home and his spiritual family for the support they've shown. He said, "You are incredible, and I love you. I mean that from the bottom of my heart." And the question becomes, "What would?" <clears throat> I tried to put myself in his shoes a little bit as a pastor. Uh, going through something like this, uh, what would my response be, what would our response be? uh, To um, Because in the prayer, one of the elders prayed, and I want you to consider this, uh, this is 30 uh, hours after this evil act happened, uh, and one of the elders even prayed for the man and his family who committed this crime. And there is such grace in that, and and I try to picture myself. What would I do? What would I say uh, to our congregation in a moment uh, like that? Uh, and and to pray for that guy and his family, who they said that once they realized who it was, once they the, he, as I said he was wearing a disguise, they realized it was somebody who had frequently come to the church asking for help, uh, somebody who. I believe had been told that they couldn't give him any more money. Um, But, uh, yeah, what do we do with this? What do we do with this as a culture, as a church uh, culture, but also as a nation where these shootings just seem to happen? Is the answer uh, only greater security teams, uh, you know, more weapons in the church? Is that the answer? Uh, It's an answer. It could be an answer uh but what is it about our uh our culture that there seems to be this rise uh in church shootings in school shootings in other types of shootings what is it about our culture and i think this this pastor said it well it reminds us that there is evil in this world uh that there is uh that there are uh that, that this world is broken in some ways and, and that these are things that we have to Uh, think about Uh, but then what do we pray for our culture do we pray that uh, I I think the prayer becomes Lord how can we as the church be used in such a way to bring about healing to bring about peace in in a culture that feels increasingly turbulent and so be praying for this church but think about those bigger questions what are the answers to this and that's a complex question that I don't have the answer to Uh, But what do we do with this increase of church violence, of school violence, of just violence in general? Uh, Or is that just a narrative that's not really true? We'd love to know what you think here on Facebook at the Common Good radio show. A lot of questions get brought up by uh, this shooting. But let's be praying for the people down there as they cope with this, as they struggle, as they wrestle with this. Coming up next, uh, Tom Rainer, uh, is wrote an article, Seven Trends for Churches in 2020. We're going to go through that list and reflect on it. Coming up next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope For Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you joining us today, kicking off 2020 here on The Common Good. But we're not fully at it yet, as Ian Simpkins is not here today. Uh, he is still celebrating uh, the holidays with fa- out-of-town family. I think he's out-of-town. And so, uh, we are looking forward to Ian joining us again on Monday. Uh, and then the whole band will be back together, and we will get 2020 rolling here as a radio show. Uh, just wanted to pause and say we are really thankful for you. Those of you who listen via podcast, those of you who listen on the radio, uh, we are really grateful for you and the feedback we heard from people over the holidays. Even I know Ian and I, both of us, heard from people randomly who said, "Hey, I listen to your show regularly." And that's always weird for me, but also really humbling. And uh, so we would love for you to give us that feedback and and let us know uh, what you enjoy, but also you know ideas you have, things you might like to see us do. You can find us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show, on Twitter at Common Good Talk, online at 1160hope.com, and podcast. You can find it wherever it is you get your podcast. Go ahead, subscribe, rate, review, and uh, yeah, thankful again for those of you who listen via podcast. So, uh, Tom Rainer at tomrainer.com, you spell as the first name T H O M and R A I N E R, tomrainer.com. If you know, at all time, Rainer. I think he did a lot through Lifeway. He he writes a lot um, about the church and what is kind of looking forward. Where's the church, uh, big C church uh, heading? American church, where's the evangelical church kind of heading? And uh, with that in mind, I thought it would be really interesting to look at a blog post he wrote called Seven Tre- Trends for Churches in 2020." at seven trends for churches in 2020. And again, this isn't some random guy. This is a guy who's kind of at one of the kind of the leading edge of thoughts about the church and where it could be heading. So let me just read this for us. We'll work through this list and uh, I'd love your feedback on it. Offering trends, he says, are a worthless exercise if they have no connection to reality. For over 15 years, I've suggested trends in churches that may become movements of reality. On an occasional basis, I review all of my uh, prognostications to see if they come close to reality in just a few years forward. So far, my prediction accuracy has been almost 90%, depending on how long you allow that trend to become a reality. For me, he writes, three years is the time frame by which I usually judge my accuracy. To be clear, I'm not the brightest bulb in the chandelier, not close, but because we receive voluminous amounts of information from churches at Church Answers, I'm able to see thousands of dots. I'm not then I'm then able to connect those dots and often see a trend in the making. So he writes, My list is not exhaustive, but as we head into twenty twenty, I see seven major trends developing. They are likely to change the landscape of churches in the next few years. So here's seven trends that Tom Rayner from Church Answers sees kind of on the horizon here for the the church number one worship sizes will grow significantly smaller he says please don't mistake this trend to be synonymous with attendance decline even in growing churches we are likely to see smaller worship gatherings the growing churches will obviously have more services venues and sites the trend is congruent then with the next trend number two there will be a significant increase in number of worship services offered at times other than sunday morning In most communities, one-third of the workforce has to work on Sunday morning. That number includes some of your most active church members who have worked to work one or two Sunday mornings a month. We accommodated the farmers well with the 11 a.m. worship on Sunday mornings in the 1800s. We're due for some major changes 150 years later. So there's two of them there. One, worship sizes will grow significantly smaller. That doesn't mean, as he says, that there will be less people in your church or less people in worship, but that instead that there's more pulling at this. And I totally see this as a pastor, uh, totally see this. But number two, he links to it that there will be significant increase in the number of worship services apart from Sunday morning. He links it to work. But let me tell you something. As a as a guy who's as a dad of three kids, I, my, my kids are 16, 12 and 10. Uh, it's their schedules, and, and we can fight this, and we should fight this on some level, but it's their schedules that are no longer uh, left open on Sunday mornings. Besides, And on top of that, for us adults and, and our work schedules, but it's their schedules, sports schedules, school schedules, other things, where it used to be when I was a kid that Sunday morning was was left open. So, you know, sports might get played afternoon on Sunday, but now... Man, my church uh, is in a warehouse. It shares a hallway with a place called the Perfect Swing, which is kind of a baseball place. There are kids in there of all ages at 9 a.m., 10 a.m., 8 a.m., Sunday morning, all throughout the winter. Uh, There's nothing sacred about Sunday morning. And so what Raynor's saying is churches need to start thinking about uh, worship experiences outside of Sunday morning. It would be helpful if Ian were here. His church does that. They have a Monday night service for this very reason. Number three. Church facilities will undergo a dramatic transformation. He says the two preceding trends lend to this third trend with smaller worship gathering and more service options. The need for large worship centers or sanctuaries will diminish greatly. Uh, the quote big box worship center is a baby baby boomer phenomenon that is disappearing. Another major change in church facilities will be the sharing of those buildings and rooms with other organizations, even secular organizations. Number four attendance will become a greater emphasis. Rainer writes, for years we've seen an aversion towards church leaders stressing attendance. Some critics say church leaders focus on numbers too much. Others say the church is wherever the people are. The result has been a diminished commitment to attend regularly. Why should someone attend if attendance is really not that important? We are now seeing a reversal of that attitude. More church leaders realize that the gathered church was a vitally important part of church life in the New Testament. It should not be less today. So that's interesting. Smaller worship gatherings, but attendance being emphasized greater. Get here. Be with the body. You need to be around one another. Uh, In order to grow that deep community that is the church, attendance will become a greater emphasis. Number five, evangelism will return to its rightful place of importance and priority. Too many churches have been doing good things while they are neglecting the priority of evangelism. Good becomes the enemy of great. In fact, many church leaders and members think they are evangelistic simply because they are community invited events evangelism is the explicit sharing of the gospel message in the power of the Holy spirit. Evangelism Rainer says will return to its place of prominence of many churches. I'm interested to see how that plays out because that doesn't feel like the trend that's been going on. But Rainer says, as he looks forward, he says, you know what? There's going to be this increase. And maybe some of that has to do uh, with the fact that uh, we live in a culture where there's not, Uh, Where where the line of delineation is much greater between the Christ follower and those who aren't the church goer and those who don't attend church. That could be number six. Fewer pastors and church staff members will be compensated full time wages. Uh, There are many factors contributing to this reality. Only one of them is related to declining church budgets. Indeed, a number of pastors and church staff will choose the bivocational or co-vocational. Option Fewer pastors and church members will be compensated, church staff members will be compensated full time wages. And lastly, this is Tom Rayner's Seven Trends for Churches in 2020. Fewer churches will align exclusively with denominations. Some of the churches will leave their denominational alignment altogether, but more of these churches will see their respective denomination as but one of their many ministry partnerships. They will align with and fund multiple organizations and networks. And then he ends up writing this. As we move into a new year, let me again thank you for being part of the front lines of his ministry called uh, Church Answers. May you see the abundance of God's blessing in your church in 2020. Uh, So those are interesting, everything from worship sizes growing smaller, uh, different venues, different times other than Sunday morning, church facilities having a dramatic transformation, attendance being emphasized, evangelism taking a priority, fewer pastors and staff members being full-time compensated, full-time wages, fewer churches aligning exclusively with denominations, I would love to know uh, what you think about what Rainer says about this changing church landscape in 2020 and beyond. You can do that at the Facebook page, the Common Good Radio Show, because I think he's right. I think whether you agree with these specific ones, the church is changing. The church that I grew up with, the church culture, I should say, that I grew up with is changing uh, the one that we worship is not changing, but the way church is done and what the expectations both of staff and pastors but also of people who attend churches are changing as well and the effective churches are going to be the ones who not just recognize these trends but also kind of lean uh, lean into them. Well coming up next, I want to talk about a tweet that I read uh, that I found very interesting. We're going to do that next year on the common good a m 1160 hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, hope for your life. My name is Brian From Flying solo today as my normal co-host Ian Simpkins is out for another couple days. He'll be back with us on Monday. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show, on Twitter at Common Good Talk, online at 1160Hope.com. You can find our podcast wherever it is Your get your podcast. Go ahead, subscribe, rate. And review. We hope that you had a great holiday season. This kind of uh, feels like from Christmas to New Year's. A lot of people, I know not everybody has the ability to do this, but I think uh, uh, painting with a broad brush, a lot of us kind of shut life down a little bit, spend more time with family, more time relaxing. I know my family, uh, between Christmas and New Year's, we took a day uh, and stayed in the city and uh i got to tell you people we stayed in a hotel it was all a ton of fun we walked to michigan avenue we did a a, a dessert at the uh at a, at a uh, really high up overlooking the city which was a ton of fun we went to a thing called comedy sports blast so just love being away with my family uh but our hotel overlooked that new huge starbucks on michigan avenue and uh there was never a line there that wasn't didn't look like disney world i was amazed and uh, I don't even understand it. Like I don't know why people are waiting an hour plus to get into this new Starbucks. But maybe somebody can tell me. But uh, I know it's more than just a regular Starbucks. But man, it was crazy. We watched even in the morning. It was there was a line wrapping around that was. It looked like it had to be an hour long. So uh, if that's you, more power to you. But anyway, we hope that you had a chance to relax and to unplug a little bit, and now you're you're recharged heading into 2020. So uh, I've been laughing at all those memes and gifts or whichever of Barbara Walters, just saying this is 2020 over and over and over again from her time on 2020. And uh, but, yeah, it's a new decade. It's a new year, a, a kind of a new start. And that's why we started the show today, uh, reminding ourselves of the good news of Scripture, that for those who are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And that that's really good news. And then when we think about New Year's resolutions, make your greatest resolution, John fifteen four, to remain in him, to remain in them. I'm the vine, you are the branches, remain in him. Well, kind of along those lines, I found a tweet from just a, uh, somebody named Jason Millwood. He was... Um, he he wrote about uh, the five lies of identity uh, brought up by Henry Nowen. So Henry Nowen writes uh, five lies of identity. And I just thought this was so important, especially as we head into a new year, because it's a lot of us. While while the new year can become about what am I going to do? Really, the deeper question is, who am I? Who am I going to be? Uh, and. Uh, when we don't wrap our identity into the right things, when it's not rooted in who I am in Christ, that can get really dangerous. And and we can really ride that roller coaster, that up and down of you know, people like me, people don't like me, people affirm me, they don't affirm me, and whatever else it might be, we can really ride that up and down. And so this tweet uh, encapsulates what Henry Nowen says are five lies of identity. Now I want to read these and asks ask. Have you bought into any of these lies? All of these lies. What is it doing to you? Number one, Henry Nowen's five lies of identity. Number one, I am what I have. I am what I have that kind of really preaches in our culture. Because so many uh, times, it is about how big is my house? Uh, how uh, how many toys do I have? What's the size of my bank account? How nice is my car? And that these are not just reflections of who we are, but they, these are actually the window into, am I a successful person? Am I worthwhile? that That my self-worth... Um, that of money uh, is is uh, equals my self worth of how I see myself. So his first lie is I am what I have. That that is a dangerous lie to buy into. Number two, I am what I do. I am what I do, that uh, when we talk to people, what do you do, and that this defines who we are as people, that I'm not a child of God at first, but I'm first a pastor, or you are not a child of God first, but you are first a, uh, a businessman or a teacher, and that when we put our identity and what we do, there's a couple things that happen. There's a couple dangers. One of them, this leads to, uh, to us becoming workaholics. Well, if I am what I do, then I better work harder and harder and climb that corporate ladder more and more uh, so that I'm a better person. I'm more impressive. My identity is that much better. And so, we begin uh, being willing to ignore our families or ignore our own health and just work and work and work, uh, because that's where our identity is found. Two, what happens when you lose a job? What happens when that promotion you get passed over? Uh, what happens when, as a pastor, your church isn't going very well, or as uh, you know, as a uh, as a small business owner, when your business is on the verge of bankruptcy? What what do you do then? That's where the lie of "I am what I do" becomes really dangerous. Number three, the five lies of identity by Henry Now, and number three, I am what other people say or think of me. Uh, if you've listened to the show at all, you know that I've talked about my. Uh, Proclivity towards people pleasing Uh, This is one that I struggle with That I am what other people say Or think of me That if other people are saying great things about me As a pastor, as a radio guy As a dad, as a husband Whatever else it may be If they're saying uh, other people's perception of me Is really positive Then I feel positively about myself But if their perception of me is negative You're not a good pastor, you're not a good radio guy You're not a good dad or husband Whatever else it might be then my self-esteem, my self-worth goes with that. And the danger of this is, A, none of us are perfect, but B, what happens, you can't control what other people think of you. You can't control what other people think of you, and it is up and down. What is not up and down is what God thinks of you, that in Christ I'm a child of God. I'm loved more than I could ever imagine. So that other lie and what other people think of me is a real dangerous one. Number four, Five Lies of Identity by Henry Nouwen. Number four, I am nothing more than my worst moment. I'm nothing more than my worst moment. So think of what your worst moment is in your life. Maybe it was recently, maybe it was 20 years ago. And the lie that we believe is that that worst moment defines us and that I can never get past it, I can never be more than that even though we know the verses like 1 John 1, 9, right? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that we still buy into the belief that uh, I'm, I can't get past that worst moment. I'm nothing more than my worst moment. And, man, that it leads to a life, the danger of that, of just shame, of guilt, of low self-esteem, of all of this. And the question becomes, how do we get beyond our worst moment? And the answer of that is what the verse I just read to you, that, that, that the answer is uh, not only how God sees me, but what he has offered me in Christ is cleansing, is forgiveness, uh, is his righteousness. So number five, uh, five lies of identity. If number four is I'm nothing more than my worst moment, number five is like it. I'm nothing less than my best moment. These are for those of us who think very highly of ourselves, and so everything's about who. That one time I was able to do this, and uh, and man, I'm I'm like the what's the old saying? I'm the cat's meow. I'm I'm, I'm the biggest. I'm the best because of that one time. Well, no, no, that's not what defines you. Uh, your your best moment doesn't define you the same way your worst moment doesn't define you. Uh, it's in the day to day moments of how I'm seen by God and so I find this list so important let me read them one more time for you five lies of identity by Henry now and this is a tweet by Jason Millwood it says I am what I have Uh, that's a lie. number one I am what I have number two I am what I do number three I am what other people say or think of me number four I'm nothing more than my worst moment and number five I'm nothing less than my best moment those are Man, the question for you today is which of those lies uh, are you buying into? Which of those lies defines who you are? Uh, because as any of them, we allow them to be our, our definition, uh, it becomes really, uh, really dangerous. So, how do we define ourselves? What is our identity? Well, our identity is this uh, that in Christ, you are loved than, more than you could ever imagine. That Jesus came and he lived uh, and he, and he died, and he rose again, so that you may have forgiveness, so that you may have life, so that you may have joy, so that you may have a restored relationship with your heavenly Father, so that you may have an identity as an adopted child of God, and that can 't be taken away from you no matter what 's going on in your job, no matter what 's going on, uh, what other people say about you, whatever else it might be, that is an identity that we can hold on to. So I wanted to talk about that today because it is so important. Go to our Facebook, look at that tweet, give us other ones that you think are true, or do you think any of these are wrong? What are the ones you struggle with? Well, coming up next, we're going to end the show like we do every time. Some interweb insanity, crazy stories that our, our uh, producer John here has found from the Internet. That's coming up next here on The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. Here's some weird stuff we found on the Internet. <clears throat> Here's some more weird stuff we found on the web. That music can only mean one thing. It is that time of the show where we open up the interwebs and look for insanity. Uh, This is the time where our producers give us crazy stories. We haven't read them at all. uh, And so we read them sight unseen. uh, And then uh, they produce the, the, the audio. They produce the content. And we just go along with you. So hopefully you enjoy this. I think John has had a, he's had a good week and a half here of just being able to collect these over the New Year holiday. So these
0: were teed up for last week, but I ended up just kind of there was holding one, them over. There's a couple new ones, <clears throat> and I'll be honest you say you say oh these are we don't read these before the show. I, sometimes
2: I don't, read them, <laughs> and I get them. So.
1: That's funny. All right, here we go. First one's out of England. Woman admits trying to open Stansted plane door mid-flight. A woman has admitted trying to open an airplane door mid-flight, prompting two fighter jets to be scrambled. Chloe Haynes, 26, also scratched a crew member who tried to stop her from opening the door uh, on a Jet 2 flight to Dalaman, Turkey on the 22nd of June. Uh, Two uh, fighter jets rushed to escort the plane back to Stansted Airport, causing a sonic boom across Essex. Haynes, who admitted to charges, is due to be sentenced on the 24th of January. She pleaded guilty on Monday to endangering the safety of a passenger plane and assault by beating. There's a man out there. What? That's funny. You know what that's from? It sounds like Superman. No, it's tw-
0: uh, uh, Twilight Zone. Uh, oh, I would not know that. Terror at
1: 22,000 feet. Or oh, that's I mean, funny. There's a
0: man on the wing. I couldn't find that line. Ben.
1: I skipped the last line that might be the most important, uh, that this person said that there was, quote, no question, Haynes was drunk at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Essential. Next one's out of Alabama. Wanted man was already in jail when agents raided his former home and shot woman inside. Hmm, there's a lot there.
0: <laughs> it's, a, it's a loaded...
1: The man who investigators were looking to arrest was already in jail when a task force raided his home Thursday morning. Ann Riley, a 19-year-old woman who now lives at the home, was shot several times. Oh. As investigators made their way inside the home, they claim Riley had a shotgun in her hand and pointed it at officers. Uh, McLeod was booked uh, The guy was booked into jail Around 3.30pm on Wednesday About 15 hours before investigators raided his home Sheriff Cochran said We do we do know that there was a miscommunication In this situation We don't know the exact cause We've narrowed it down to one of two things He said one cause could be that investigators Did not run one final check Before sending teams out to make the arrest The second cause could be a problem Where a computer system did not communicate That warrants were no longer active
2: Take them away boys Hey I'm the chief here Bake away, Ties. What'd you say, Chief?
1: Bake them away. That's funny. Notice it doesn't say how the woman's doing. That's crazy. Uh, next one out of Palestine. This might be a first. Mouse nibbles uh, through $50,000 of Palestinian man savings. A mouse has reported nibble, nibbled. A mouse has I can't read it. <laughs> has reportedly nibbled its way through a stash of fifty thousand dollars believed to be the savings of a Palestinian man on the Gaza Strip. In the Gaza Strip, the vermin destroyed almost half of every dollar note, leaving the owner in a devastated state. A video showing the damaged note damaged notes was recorded by the cashier, who said that some of them had been destroyed by forty percent, while others up to sixty percent. A currency exchange expert estimated that the value of a hundred and ten dollar note bearing forty percent damage only could be $28. The cashier told local media he intends to help the Palestinian man salvage his savings by sending the damaged notes with a serial number still intact to the Central Bank of Israel for possibly a better exchange rate. Everything burns. <laughs> That's funny. Next one's out of Idaho. Father and daughter get $3.4 million in tax refunds from IRS after claiming to win lottery they never won. A father and daughter were convicted at trial for involvement in a hundred million dollar fraudulent tax refund scheme. Kenneth Edmondson and his daughter Danielle claimed that the government owed them one hundred and seventy five million dollars in tax refunds They paid out They were paid out three point four million dollars in refunds. Uh, through the issuance of U.S. Treasury checks before the IRS realized that they had, in fact, never bought a winning lottery ticket. In 2015, Danielle Edmondson managed to get the IRS to pay out $239,000 in tax refunds for winning an unspecified amount of money from the lottery. With that, she bought a BMW and took $60,000 in cash. Why not? The IRS never received any corresponding forms to support the payment of these taxes. They replied to her Your demand has no legal val- validity and it is not payable through any federal agency your scheme appears to be taken af- uh, to be akin to a fraud but just when you thought the story couldn't get any better in march 2019 danielle was arrested they both claim to be uh, aboriginal indigenous moorish americans an offshoot of the sovereign citizen movement who are immune to government authority you're either incredibly smart Yes. incredibly stupid that is true right there <laughs> i still don't understand it i don't understand the it. Sto-
0: i had to cut like the story in half that i it's don't get all it over the place i'll send you the link
1: hasbro uh, rhode island hasbro toy company officially owns death row records it's official Hasbro is now the owner of Death Row Records. On Monday, Brian Goldner, Hasbro chairman and chief executive officer, announced the purchase of Entertainment One, which owns Death Row Records. The deal was made over the summer, but now it's officially done. The transaction is valued at approximately $3.8 billion. Uh, In addition, in a press statement, Goldner said, we're excited about what we can do together and see tremendous opportunity for shareholder value creation through this uh, acquisition. The addition of E1, or Entertainment One, accelerates our blueprint strategy of, by expanding our brand portfolio. They now own Death Row Records.
0: Kids, kids, kids! Shiny, gooey, stretchy, fun! Hasbro's best thing ever! Sticky, yummy, bouncy, fun! Hasbro's best thing
1: ever! That's good. That's really funny. Well done, man. Uh, I just like that Hasbro now owns Death Row Records. And I'm like, Why?
0: Why Just not? Because they can. Yeah. Because they 3. can. Three point eight billion dollars
1: value and everything. So, twenty twenty off to a rousing start. Join us again tomorrow from four to six. My name is Brian Fromm. You've been listening to the Common Good on AM eleven sixty. Hope for your life.